Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season three, we're talking all about travel jobs. Let's get started. Welcome back to another awesome interview episode. Today, my guest is Dara. She's a civilian for the U.S. Air Force. And what I love about this podcast and these interviews are I typically learn so much. So I feel like in the back of my head, I knew you could work as a civilian, but I didn't really understand how and what the work entails. And so today we talk about it and it's a really cool opportunity and it's a field that might be easier than you even think to enter. So a great way to work abroad if you are from the U.S. So my guest, Dara, is a contracting officer who's approaching 11 years working for the Air Force as a civilian. Originally, she was hired as an office intern and was eventually admitted into the Copper Cap program, which we talk more about in the episode. And then in 2018, she was granted her unlimited warrant, becoming a contracting officer. Throughout her career, she's been able to travel, typically taking short trips in the U.S. as needed to execute the mission or attend a training. And her biggest work trip was in 2020 when she accepted a position in Europe and moved to Germany. So she's had a really great jumping off point for both personal and professional travel. And we talk all about it in the episode. So here it is. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities podcast. I have another awesome interview episode today. And I want to introduce you to my guest, Dara. And I'm going to hand it over. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about your background? Hi, thanks for having me. So I'm Dara. Uh, I'm 35 years old. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, I'm a dog mom and a traveler, of course. Uh, I was I was a military brat, so I actually grew up moving a lot, mostly in the United States, but I did live in Guam as a kid. I call California and Hawaii my homes, but otherwise home is pretty much where I am in the moment. Uh, in college, I was a music major, and when we get around to my career, I, it was a pretty non-traditional route to how I got there. Um, and then I also have my MBA now. And uh, my this job opportunity I had came up when I was living in California, busy being poor um, while I was working on my MBA. Uh, my dad had sort of heard someone in the office mentioning that there was a position open. So he gave me that person's email address and I sent them my resume, interviewed, and then it took, I don't know, six or nine months before I was even offered a job or was able to start, which is pretty standard timelines for this. Um, but so I became a student intern. Then I became what's called a copper cap. Then I moved from California to Boston with my then boyfriend, now husband, where I became a contract specialist. Uh, and copper cap and contract specialist are more or less like interchangeable positions. And then uh, when I was in Boston, I was no longer an intern. Then I became a contracting officer. And uh, to become a contracting officer, I had to sit a written test as well as a board with a panel of like six to nine experts. And now here I am in Germany. 
Amazing. Okay, so we're going to go into each of those pieces. And just to clarify, this is all for the Air Force, right? Yes. So I am an Air Force civilian. Uh, so I don't put on the uniform every day, but I do support the warfighter. Um, and, you know, as a civilian working for the Air Force, you know, I don't have to necessarily follow the specific health and fitness requirements that uniform members have to, because they have to be deployable. And I don't, there's certain like appearance standards that the military members have to follow that I, with my rainbow hair and face piercings don't necessarily follow, but yeah, I do work for the air force and it's, uh, even growing up as a military brat, I didn't really realize that non-military people supported the department of defense, but we do, we're real. Here we are. <laughs> so this is a really cool conversation and an exciting opportunity for maybe people who want to support in a different facet. So Let's go back and start with your non-traditional path in your music background. Yeah. So um, I originally went to school uh, with a biology major with the intention of going to medical school. And I got burnt out really, really fast because I was uh, on a athlete scholarship and I was working and I had this really intense major and I, I couldn't do all of them. And so I eventually decided to change my major and just like kind of wanted to enjoy myself. So I became a music major and um, I was going to be rich and famous and turns out <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, and uh, so I, I spent a few years after school uh, sort of, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, but also kind of like loving the fact that I was doing it on my own and most of my friends had moved back home with their parents, which like no shame on that. But I kind of loved that I had my apartment and I was doing my thing. But after a while, it did get tiring. So I decided to start working on my master's like and I went for my MBA. And that is what qualified me for this job. Most people I work with do not have, you know, music majors, but um, you don't necessarily have to have a business degree either. I just happened to have it. And that's what qualified me for the job. And uh, so I started as a student intern and then that internship program went away. So they moved me to a different internship program. And then the copper cap program came along and I was recommended for it at that base. I was at um, the copper cap program was a, was considered really prestigious and it was grooming for leadership. And so it was exciting that I was recommended for it. I, I, com I competed for my position and I got it and it was a four-year internship and then I actually hadn't planned on continuing to do contracting after I finished the internship. I was going to do something else, but you know, life happened. I met my husband and now here we are. <laughs> That's awesome. And I just love talking about the non-traditional path. I think it's important because sometimes we get really caught up in what is expected of us. So it's always great to hear stories to really reinforce that narrative that like you can kind of do what you want. It, it's your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh, if someone had told me that I would find as much joy in an office job as I've found, like when I was 22, I would have said there's there's just no way that's possible. Um, like I'm just too much of a free spirit. But for some reason, this job just really fits. And I, I enjoy what I do every day. And it motivates me. And I really enjoy getting to support the warfighter and getting to support the mission. And so it's, it's really exciting. And I think it's a, 
you know, I was, I was listening to your episode with the foreign service officer. Cause it's something I had actually like wanted to do. So I was really excited to hear that episode. And then it reminded me, wow, that's such a difficult career field to get into. Uh, whew. Um, <laughs> and contracting is so much less difficult to get into. You just sort of need some business units. And so I think if people are looking for a job that kind of offers a little bit more stability, then this could, this could be a way to do it because it doesn't necessarily have such a high threshold for entering the career field. Yeah. If you want to like move up, you know, you got to do more stuff, but at least to enter, you really only need some business units. I don't even know if you need your undergrad anymore. I think that requirement went away a few years ago. Don't quote me on that. It could have always come back. But at this point, I think you just need, it's something like 12 or 15 business units to be able to enter, which is super cool because it means it could give people lots of opportunities that they wouldn't necessarily otherwise have. Wow. So that's really cool. And is it typical to enter as an intern? Is that where everyone starts or are there different sort of levels where you, in which you can start? Yeah, it's not where everyone starts, but it's where a lot of people start, um, especially because with this job, like to be a contracting officer, the only reason I am as good as my job as I am is because I have so much experience. Um, but if I was applying for this job right now, just sort of with my degree and no real world experience, I might be qualified for it and I might be able to do it, but that doesn't mean that I would be able to do it well. And it doesn't mean I would feel comfortable in the position. So the, like, I think it's great that people can enter without having a ton of experience. And then as, as you grow, you, cause there's so many regs, like you really with this job, cause we are spending taxpayer dollars. It's really important that we understand the laws and the regs that go behind it, but they teach you all of that. And right. If you start kind of too high, then people are going to be like, Oh, you should already know this. And then you don't. So most people start as interns. And I think it's because of how important it is that you have those building blocks. Makes total sense. And just to clarify, an intern is a paid position because sometimes we are un yes, unpaid internships. Nope. Fully paid um, salary, retirement plan, health insurance, uh, pay, uh, annual leave, sick leave, all of it. You are a full-fledged employee. You just have the title of intern. Got it. And so can you talk a little bit more about what your responsibilities were as an intern and the things they taught you and what you learned along the way? Yeah. So when I started as just a student intern, I was uh, like managing my boss's calendar and making coffee, but that I didn't love that. Um, and when <laughs> I became a copper cap, which is also still technically an internship program, that was much more interesting where I was actually learning the work. Um, and so the job really is we we receive a requirement from the warfighter and then we have to go out and write the contract to purchase it and so we would analyze the requirement we would make sure we would understand it you know lots of emails lots of meetings to make sure we're buying what they need and that we're paying it paying for it at a a fair and reasonable price. I think we've all heard those stories of that, like, you know, the, the military toilet that costs $17,000 or something. We don't buy those, right? Like we're not going <laughs> to yeah. do that anymore. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Um, and so we analyze the requirement. We make sure we have everything we need. Then we go out to vendors and we get quotes. Those get analyzed. We write the contract and then we execute the contract 
And then we do all the administrative functions, like making sure everything's been delivered, making sure the vendor's gotten paid, all of those things. And we finally close it out, at least for the job I'm doing now. There's other types of contracting, which involve cutting fewer contracts, but like doing much higher higher stakes negotiations, right? If you're buying an F-35 and each of those costs like a billion dollars, right? You're not like, that's the only thing you're going to work on. You're not going to then write 200 contracts for like mattresses. (laughs) Totally. Wow. That's so interesting. And so do these jobs exist in all of the branches of the military? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know how, how many civilian opportunities there are in the other branches. I know there are civilian opportunities, but since I have exclusively been an Air Force civilian my entire career, I just can't speak intelligently to the civilian opportunities in the other branches. But yeah, all the branches have it, even um, the non-Department of Defense agencies. So the civilian agencies like the Environmental Protection Agency, for example, they also have positions like this. Wow. Very cool. I I love learning things on this podcast. So that's awesome. (laughs) And if someone were interested in beginning their career here, where would they find these kind of opportunities? They'd be posted on usajobs.gov. That's, uh, I think it's usajobs.gov. That's where they're mostly posted. And it would be posted as maybe contracts administrator or contract specialist, or maybe just contracting but that's where they're posted. Um, sometimes some of the internship positions aren't posted. So something else I would recommend if this is some, if this is a career field people want to get into to just start talking to people who do it, there's contracting Facebook groups and things like that and find someone who does it, leverage your network and have them get your resume on the desk of the hiring manager that doesn't necessarily guarantee you a position, right? Cause you still have to then sit the interview and qualify and all of that. But I know my my husband's best friend was looking to get into contracting. And so I gave his resume to our intern manager and they interviewed and they wanted to hire him. But because it is such an in-demand career field, like people constantly want to join. I think he had to wait three to six months before he was able to get a position because they just had to wait for positions to be available. So that would be my advice. Start applying on USA Jobs and then get just get your resume out there, leverage your network. Amazing. Solid advice for any field. Networking is really the best way to go about it. And yeah, as an introvert, I always hated that, but it's true. <laughs> well, in, in order to get my job in Germany, I actually, I leveraged my network because I was applying on USA jobs and nothing was really coming up for me. Um, but my husband was already here in Germany doing military duty. And so we were, you know, I was living in Boston. He was living in Germany. It sort of sucked being that far apart. And so I finally posted on the Air Force contracting Facebook page. I was like, hey, my husband's in Germany. I'm trying to get out there. These are my qualifications. What do you got for me? And that connected me with someone who connected me with someone who offered me a job. So very cool. So it wasn't like it was you were applying for jobs in order to get to Germany. It wasn't like an offer within your current position that they're like, hey, we're sending you to Germany. No, no. Okay, awesome. How does it work? Like in your current position, are you able to say like, oh, I am applying to a new position because it is still within the same organization or how? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I had made it very clear to my leadership that I was, it was time for me to, you know, go to bigger and better things. Um, So, and we knew my husband was going to be like 
having to go somewhere. We had thought it would be Washington, D.C. So I was already applying for positions and interviewing for positions in Washington, D.C. And my leadership was really supportive of it. I think that's one thing. Um, a lot of people, you think that you can't tell your leadership what you're looking for. But as soon as I told my boss what I was looking for, she was she was pushing me every opportunity she had. She was leveraging her network. She was doing the same thing. And I've noticed that a lot in this career field. I don't know if it's like this in others, but at least the experience I've had is like when I tell someone this is my goal, even if that goal is to like go somewhere else, they're like, all right, let me help you meet your goal. Um, and so I was, I was already interviewing at other places, but then when he did not get his orders to Washington DC and his orders were to Germany, I was like, okay, like, let me pivot. Um, and started applying for jobs in Germany. And so as a civilian, they, they really can't say, Hey, you're going to Germany. Like I can still say, no, I am not a military member doesn't have that same flexibility. Um, and then on the flip side, if I want to go to Germany, I can apply. And if a military member wants to go, but they're told they're going to Oklahoma, well, they're going to Oklahoma, regardless of if they wanted that job in Germany or not. So that's really cool. And there's honestly opportunities real worldwide. I've seen jobs in Italy, Japan, the UK. They're all over the United States, Hawaii, Alaska, like everywhere there is an Air Force base, there is this job which is super, super cool because not every career field that has Air Force civilians can say that, but we are literally everywhere. That is really awesome because the question I hear a lot is like, I want to work abroad. How can I do that? And like, this is something I never considered and I'm happy to know about. Yeah. Very cool. So what have you noticed as like differences between working in the United States and working in Germany? I think the biggest difference is, uh, and I think it just comes from doing what's called operational contracting here, whereas in Boston, I was doing what's called systems contracting, is um, almost everyone I work with here is military. And then there's also some local nationals, which is really cool. Um, whereas in the States, almost all my coworkers are civilians. So that's the biggest thing I've noticed was I've never worked with as many military as I've worked with now, which is cool because like I was a military brat and like I worked for the military, but I never worked with military, which was weird. Um, and then another big thing that I've noticed, but I think it just comes from, again, being operational contracting is um, just the number of contracts we are cutting. Like I probably cut a hundred contracts last year. If I'm like guessing I could look, but I think it's around that number. Whereas when I was doing systems, I, I think I signed one or two contracts, but really when you're doing systems, you're doing the day-to-day -day negotiation and management of this like major weapon system. And so you're doing much higher stakes negotiations. Like I did a billion dollar negotiation once, not everyone can say that, but at the same time, you know, I don't have a ton of contract actions to show for like those things. Wow. That's so interesting. And you had mentioned to me some really rewarding projects you've worked on since coming to Germany. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, definitely. Um, easily the most rewarding one was when my office was supporting Operation Allies Refuge slash Welcome. So that was when our uh, Afghani 
friends and allies were fleeing the Taliban. Um, so over 35,000 evacuees transited through here in Germany. And my office was doing a lot of the point for the contracting for like the things that would literally keep all these people alive, like food, water, shelter, cleaning supplies, because this was still when COVID was going on. Um, it was a really monumental effort. And it was just really cool seeing everyone had this unity of purpose. And then we would spend most of our days working to like execute these contracts to help these people. And then for those of us who are authorized to volunteer, we would leave the office and go and volunteer directly with the evacuees, um, you know, doing simple things like making tea or maybe just processing paperwork. I did have one moment where I was actually volunteering to support the volunteers. So I was like making food for all the volunteers and I start hearing people like yelling for a medic and I'm not a medic, but I was a lifeguard in a past life and they keep yelling for the medic. So I was like, okay, well I'll go over and see. And I ran over and this little girl had passed out. And so I, you know, stayed with her and helped her until the medics were able to show up. And um, she wouldn't let me leave her side after that. So I told the medics, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm coming with her. And they were like, that's fine with us. And then she proceeds to tell me how two days previous, she, her and her mother had literally ran from the Taliban who were going to shoot and kill them for not covering. And it's like, these were the experiences that these people had. Sorry, I'm getting choked up. <laughs> no, I feel like I am too. Oh my God. <laughs> these are the experiences that so many of these people had. And then like, I got to cut contracts and volunteer to just kind of help them get to what I'm hoping is a better place, you know? Um, so that was, that's probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my career. And I think I ever will do in my career. Um, but I've also done some really cool stuff. Like we've gotten to like execute contracts in support of Ukraine, um, I'm not going to really talk about any of the specifics of that. And then, um, I mean, I've also gotten to do stuff which seems really small. Like I remember one of my favorite contract actions for a long time was when I bought heaters, which like seems fairly insignificant until I went out and like saw the heaters installed. And it was like, you know, we have a bunch of like airmen like standing outside and like they're freezing their butts off. And then like when the heaters were installed and turned on, they were just like, enjoying themselves and it's like oh a massive quality of life difference so it's just kind of cool like getting to have that impact on people absolutely and like I love your perspective on everything like you actually can see and explain the big picture and what why what you do is so important and I think that's important to really just be able to recognize the difference that you're making so thank yeah, you yeah. for sharing and that's really cool yeah of course <laughs> so have you been able to travel since relocating to Germany? Um, yeah, definitely. Where haven't I traveled? Um, <laughs> yeah. It was tough when we first moved here. So we were we were originally supposed to move here. Well, I, because my, my husband was already in Germany, I was supposed to move here in April of 2020. Um, and in fact, the military stop movement, there was a military stop movement. I'm not sure if you were. There was a military stop movement that was issued uh two weeks before I was supposed to move. And so I'm just really glad my house hadn't been packed up yet. Uh, and so they, I couldn't move when I was supposed to, which like wasn't 
a huge deal. I was able to just keep doing the job that I was doing. Um, and my office in Germany was like, okay, we'll wait till you can get here. And then once, once I was, uh, once they, I think either a general had to sign a waiver releasing me or finally the military stop movement was lifted. One of the two things I was finally able to move out here in July of 2020, which was still the height of COVID. So there wasn't a ton of travel to be had. Um, and I was high risk. So I was really being careful, but my husband and I did as much as we could safely just exploring Germany. And then as soon as, uh, you know, lockdown ended and the vaccines were available, we went to all the places. Um, so Iceland, the Netherlands, Czech Republic, Belgium, France, Paris, like, I think, I think I went to Paris four times in the last year and I'm now traveling and I'm planning another trip to Paris, Spain, Canary Islands, Portugal, the Azores, Sweden, Switzerland. I feel like I'm just listing every single country in Europe. Um, but it's just, Germany is in such a great location too, that we can drive to all these places if we want, or we can hop on the train or we can get like a really cheap flight to just about anywhere. And so we've really taken advantage of that. Like since COVID's lift, since the COVID restrictions have lifted and since the vaccines have been available and it's just been like, it's been my European dream. Like that's why we wanted to come out here and we're finally doing it. And it's amazing. That is so cool. And like just a total added perk. That's yes. awesome. Do you have any like travel recommendations that you found like unique or sort of off the beaten path that you would recommend to someone out in Europe? Yes. Um. So for my birthday last year, my husband was away for work. And I just wanted to hike somewhere, but I was too exhausted to plan it. So I reached out to a friend who's also a travel agent. And I was like, can you just, I'll pay you just plan my trip. And I was like, it just has to be within walking distance. The hotel has to let me bring my dog and there has to be cool hiking. And so she sent me to this little town in France that I would have otherwise never visited. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's called Ecuchem maybe. Um, it's near Colmar and Colmar is where everyone goes but then, you know, you go 20 more minutes and you're in this like really cute town where it looks like Beauty and the Beast was like filmed here. I mean, I know it wasn't, but like it looks like that. I was like, oh, I didn't know that there were places that actually looked like this. And my hotel was in a like a wine vineyard. And then there were like ruins of three separate castles that I was able to hike to. And then because I was in like a wine region of France, I also got to drink all of this amazing wine. So that was something I, I'll call that off the beaten path, the uh, pr potentially pronounced Ecuchem France. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds incredible. Like a fairy tale. That's awesome. <laughs> ah, so cool. And so you mentioned you're going to be moving back to the United States soon. Yes. So yes. are you now in the process of finding a job or are you able to go back to your previous role or what does that look like for you? Oh yeah. That's a really good question. So as an Air Force civilian, if you have a position that you're already working and you take a position overseas, you have what's called return rights. And so within five years at any time, I can exercise my return rights um, as long as I've met my the, the agreed to time that I as long as you've met your agreed to time overseas. So I'm just exercising my return rights. So I actually texted my mentor back at Boston and I was like, hey. I'm coming back. You got anything cool for me? And they were like, we got you. Uh, and so I'm actually going to be going to do foreign military sales, which I'm super excited about. I'm going to be negotiating on behalf of the U S government 
with other governments to like, I don't know, sell them airplanes or something. Um, I'm like, I'm super excited for this. And also I'm hoping that means lots of international travel for work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm just exercising my return rights, my job, uh, as long as I didn't stay longer than five years, my job was waiting for me when I got home. So that's another really cool perk of taking a position overseas. You are not putting your position at home at risk. That is awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just like the benefits keep on coming. What was your contract over in Germany? How much time did you have to commit there? Um, I was supposed to commit to three years and then I had actually extended to four because you can stay up to five pretty easily. And then if you want to stay for seven, it becomes much more difficult. Lots of approval because of the... Uh, status of force and forces agreement between Germany and the United States. Um, so I originally extended to four and then some life stuff happened. And so I'm actually cutting my, I'm leaving before my three-year agreement, but um, I qualify for an exception. And so I'm able to go home. If you are not able to meet your agreement, there's the potential that you face a financial penalty in repaying the cost of the move. Um, but because of the circumstances driving me heading home, uh, that penalty is waived. Wow. And so they cover the cost of your move as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I, you know, I get what's called my orders. Mm -hmm. And once I have those, I call the organization, uh, called TMO for the air force. I call TMO and I say, Hey, I have orders. I need someone to come pack up my house. And then they schedule the movers and the movers come and they pack up my house and then they ship it. And then when I got to Germany, I was like, Hey, here's my, here's the address of my apartment. And then everything showed up and they, they, un they even unpacked it, like put all the dishes away, like all of it. Yeah. So it sounds like moving, like moving the most stressful thing you can do sounds pretty stress-free in this situation. I mean, as stress-free as it can be, it is still definitely stressful, but, um, you know, the stressor of having to like find a moving company and coordinate the logistics of like getting your crates on a boat and getting them sent there. Right. You don't have to worry about that. The Air Force does it for you. Wow. Very mm -hmm. cool. So we already touched on this a little bit about if someone's interested in pursuing a career as an Air Force civilian, like get your resume in front of someone who already works there. Do you have any other little tidbits of advice in terms of maybe qualifying or yeah, I mean, I would say uh, it's probably, I wish I had just done the easy Google, but it's probably easily Googleable to see how many business units you have to have. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people think because we are writing and administering contracts, like, oh, I don't have a background in law. And so they get intimidated that way. And it's like, nope, you do not have to have a legal background. I was a music major. So I know for sure you don't need a legal background. Um, and you know, the, the defense contractors, every defense contractor also has contracting positions. Um, so, you know, the Northrop's, the Lockheed's, the L3's, like all of them. And so, you know, you could just go to their websites and look for, I'm, I'm assuming the position would be called contracting or contracts administrator or subcontracts would be another one for those ones. Just start applying. And if you know anybody who works at those places, uh, talk to them because a lot of these companies, they give uh, bonuses to their employees if they refer someone and that person gets hired. So again, leverage your network. And then um, LinkedIn. I cannot talk about LinkedIn enough as it relates to getting job offers, getting interviews, getting um, just getting your name out there. Now that I've gotten to the point that I've gotten in my career, I consistently have headhunters reaching out to me 
Um, and so it's really nice that the jobs just kind of, you know, throw themselves at me. It's wonderful. Um, but it's great because you put on LinkedIn, you, you fill out your profile, you put all your qualifications on there. And then you sort of tell LinkedIn, these are the jobs I'm looking for. And then you'll get email blasts of jobs that you've said you're interested in that you might be qualified for. And then it's really easy to apply. And that's one way that I've gotten my name on recruiters desks. Like if I'm ever just curious as to like what else is out there, uh, that's what I do. So that's awesome. And so just to clarify, when you say business units, do you just mean like college credits? College credits. Yeah. Just they have to be like business focused. So if you have like, 150 music units, for example, those won't necessarily qualify you for the job. The only reason I qualified was because I was working on my MBA. My undergrad degree at the time would not have qualified me for the position because I did not have any business units. Um, but my, my MBA was business. So totally qualified me. (laughs) Cool. And then on LinkedIn, the people who are reaching out to you, are they military jobs or is it like outside companies as well? Um, it's, it's normally the defense contractors. Okay. Uh, cause the, like the military jobs, the, those like internal jobs, we have job boards and things like that. So I get those email blasts like every day. Um, but the LinkedIn ones are specifically the defense contractors. Got it. Awesome. Do you have any advice for someone who might be interested in traveling or moving abroad for work, but they're feeling kind of nervous or uncertain? I am the wrong person to ask that question (laughs) because the advice I give anyone almost regardless of the question is book the flight. (laughs) Book the flight. I think you might be the right person. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like I, I will be your hype man. Um, like it's, it's hard. It's stressful, especially if you're doing it on your own. Like I studied abroad in college and I was, you know, I mean, I was on my own. I was, I wasn't part of a program. It was just me going somewhere else. And it was really stressful, but I ended up learning a lot about myself and I was able to experience another culture. And I think traveling is so important to teach you those things. If there's one thing I've learned from all of my travel, it's I've, I've learned to be really grateful for what I have. And so book the flight, just do it. And if it sucks, if it sucks, go home, right? Like don't stay in a shitty situation, but book the flight and it probably won't suck. Absolutely. Totally agree. Cause yeah, you're going to regret not taking the chance more than like actually taking the chance and then coming home, for example. Yeah. Right. It's like, if you take the chance and then you find out, yeah, like this just isn't a vibe and I don't want to do this. Uh, go home. And now you've learned something about yourself. You've learned that thing is not your thing. And now it's on the next best thing. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And <laughs> I think that is the perfect note to end on today. So Dara, thank you so much for being here. I love this conversation. I personally learned a lot. So I know everyone else will be learning a lot as well. And everyone else, I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Wait, before you go. If you are here because you are exploring your travel options, I am excited to share with you that I've just revamped my free offerings to help you on your journey. Whether you need help budgeting for a career break, saving money for a trip, or learning how to effectively apply for a remote job, I've got you. Visit the link in the show notes or go directly to www.travelshifters.com freebies to download what you need. And don't hesitate to let me know what you think.
Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.